back to Maiden A to Z. My name is Eric. And my name would be Jonathan. And with us yet again is Henrik. Yes. Three of us again. And I, we've done this a few times now. Uh, like fifth episode, possibly, together. Possibly, yeah. Something like that. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we always enjoy having your company here. It uh, widens oh, thank the you. scope. It widens the scope a little bit, I, I do think. And mm-hmm. you know, as you said, it's symptomatic, I guess, of being a fan of this band to like to do this all these yep. discussions around everything surrounding it. Yeah, it's very enjoyable. Yeah, and we did get a couple of emails that we wanted to address for a bit, but uh, yeah, it's been we've had a lot to talk about regarding Maiden, but uh, this is the time. So, yeah, so every now every now and again we're going to go ahead and uh, read some of your emails and whatnot. We we do read them all. We're very happy for them. Uh the reason I haven't responded to many personally is I wanted to do it like this. Yeah, it's more fun. Yeah, yeah I, I have responded to, uh, I've had a chain of emails with um, this first one here, but I haven't responded to the Maiden questions or Maiden discussions within it, because I thought they would fit well as content within Maiden A to Z, right? Yeah. So anyway, this is, um, I've got a, uh, we've had a few emails from uh, uh, Fatima from Iran writing in, and she's been a Maiden fan since 12, because so none of her family members were into heavy music, but she found her way there. You know, first through really big bands like Linkin Park and Evanescence in those days, right? And yeah. then, you know, going down the rabbit hole through Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Metallica, Queen, and that kind of stuff. And then finally arriving at, I guess that would be her favorite band, judging by all the knowledge and, you know, enthusiasm regarding it, uh, Iron Maiden. And um, she did write us, uh, you know, first heard Hills, then Hallowed, then Number of the Beast, and getting into it uh, with, through two minutes and, you know, all the classics, basically. And uh, she um, commented on uh, 22 Acacia Avenue, saying that uh, the lyrics kind of ruined it a bit, you know, Steve's lyrics, but uh, that she's really into the, the whole song, uh, the intro, entire solo section and the rising point, which I think uh, you, Eric, addressed back then, you know, the kind of charge up. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, So I guess we could only agree with that, right? It's not much else to comment on it. Or what would you say? You weren't there for 22, Henrik. No, I won't, but it's a smashing song. I think and right. the instrumental bits as well. It's, really, it's fantastic. Yeah. I think it, it's, the instrumental bit is quite different to the start of it, but yeah. somehow it works, works together. It you know, mm. kind of brings it to a higher level, if you will. Uh, just like Eric addressed with the boom, it's a good riff. Yeah, you know, it's such a good riff that it even sounds good when people you're just singing the riff. And, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I did right now. And uh, yeah, and I enjoyed yeah. that. It was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> cool, thank you. I started out drumming. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I like I like singing riffs. I admit. <laughs> and uh, X Factor, she comments on too with regards to Two AM, different album but a good album in my opinion at least better than the other 90s albums, 
which I agree with. I think it's the best of the 90s albums. Um, not my favorite, but not that terrible. <laughs> not good, not terrible. Yes, yeah, Except for the production issues of 90s Blaze failing at some point and the overall guitar tone on the album. Song structures are pretty good, she says. What would you say on that? Well, I was going to say just a couple of things. I, I had a, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with her, but I was going to say just so people know why you're kind of paraphrasing here is because you guys have been sort of writing for, you know, you've been writing a little bit to each other already. Yeah. And, um, uh, and since she's written, she's written so much, uh, rather than to go through the whole thing and stuff you've already replied to her to, exactly. that's why you're doing a bit of paraphrasing. So maybe, you know, next time if she writes, if she, if she, hopefully she keeps writing and then it'll maybe, you know, when we'll obviously read the, the whole thing. Sure. On the air is more fun to do, but that's why we sort of did this, just so people understand what we're what's going on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, every, everything she wrote that I, uh, you, you guys have been talking. We haven't spoken so far, but I agree with her on the on that as well. So she's. Uh, what would you say, Henrik, on the '90s album? Is X Factor the best? Not sure. It's a really tough bag. The '90s albums. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. However, mm. we touched on them back in Be Quick or Be Dead. You know, the possibilities of, not really possibilities, but the thoughts of a 90s tour. Mm. Featuring all those four albums kind of centered. I mean, that would be really cool, but is it commercially viable? I don't know. I think it is. I think I'm sure they can find a set list from those four albums, uh, concentrated around those four albums to really, that would be really good. Yeah. Mm. And um, the email continues. This is the first email, mind you. (laughs) That's why I have to paraphrase a bit. And uh, she says the, the whole thing about the 90s, the rise of grunge and uh, band being burnt out from you know personal struggles as well as touring and um, you know lineup changes right uh, also burns you out it's a i know that from my own experience that it's a tough process in a band mm-hmm. to have a lineup change it's really hard it's almost to the point of maybe we should quit yeah and um, and then she says that she sees signs of efforts in no prayer and fear of the dark and um, you know even the band admitted in interviews that it wasn't the easiest time for the band yeah which i've also heard and uh, also she adds like uh, there was some weirdness of bashing seventh son calling it a flawed album in the early 90s maybe because it's so 80s sounding and uh, i haven't heard any bashings of it but uh, i know that it didn't go down that well in the states right seventh son that's what i've heard mm, yeah, yeah it didn't yeah and maybe that was a huge part of them deciding that we have to change things up this is not the thing anymore this is not what, what uh, the hard rockers want, right? Maybe they want something more rowdy or rough, in a sense, like uh, last, last time we spoke about uh, Bring a Daughter, which is uh, definitely a different angle to it. It's, uh, like I said, like, you know, the, 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 the infamous quote, uh, and I, I lost audio for a second, so maybe you said mm-hmm. this, I don't know, but, you know, that Steve Harris said that it's a, it's a, they've said it's a very European-sounding album. Yeah, I've heard that too, and Bruce questioned that. What do you mean? Or maybe it was Steve or both. Like, what do you mean you're European sounding? We're an mm. English band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And that's, that's the how they're going to say it sounds. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. And then at the end of the mail, she's talking about Martin Birch as well, how his retirement affected X Factor and Steve taking over the mix, she adds, which honestly he's not good at. So <laughs> we could talk about that too. And uh, Adrian leaving, being fired, slash being fired. And, um, and then she just adds, sorry for the ranting. I don't know how much you've read. <laughs> and I've investigated about Iron Maiden State from 84 to 99 quite a bit, which of course we like. 
you know, everyone should. Oh yeah, this is this is great. I mean, I mean, she like I said, you know, I I hope she'd be wanting to come on the pod at some point because this is uh, she seems to know more than we do. <laughs> yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. And I mean, uh, we don't know much about made in Iran either, which would be the case. You know, we know our made in Sweden, but what about made in Iran? I'm I imagine they're. I imagine the experience is slightly different. Um, yeah, very oblivious to that. And uh, yeah, that's it for the for the first email. Should we break it off with another guy or continue? Yeah, yeah, we're going to another part of the world at the moment. And uh, also, uh, so I'm going to apologize in advance for when I, not if, more so inevitably when I mis- uh, mispronounce one of your names. Uh, so we have an email from Greg, and just FYI, the, the Greg part was not the bit I was going to mispronounce. But <laughs> maybe I'll just not say his last name. Maybe I should do that because that, because, you know, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want, maybe he doesn't want me to. We didn't say our previous uh, messenger's last name, so I won't do that here either. And therefore, and then I won't risk mispronouncing something. All right, there we go. So, Greg so, from the from States, Greg, right? Yes. So it's writing you from uh, Buffalo, New York, uh, in the United States. So happy I stumbled upon the podcast two weeks ago. The format you've chosen is excellent and is total ear candy for, for maiden diehards. It's going to be a long journey, but as long as you two keep it killer and see it all the way through, I'll be along for the ride. Thanks for putting in the work, Greg. So that was just nice. I mean, that's just basically him saying that, <laughs> to that you can just say thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Greg. And I hope we can follow up on that and keep delivering the entertainment that you've enjoyed so far. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's you know that that made me really happy when I when I got that. Uh, I, I'll uh, I'm gonna re- reply to you, Greg, so you know that listen for your 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 response here. But yeah, yeah, that was a. I, I'm constantly sort of blown away by the amount of positive feedback we've got so far from for this from this, and I haven't uh, I, I've been doing podcasts for nine years soon, and uh, none of them have gotten this of you know uh, this kind of response just in the sheer supportive nature of everyone who's, you know, yeah. got in touch. I mean, I think, I think even like one of my first podcasts, the second we released it, there was someone talking, someone was bad-mouthing us on Twitter within hours of its release. So I have very different experiences. You know, this, this is versus, yeah. this is more fun. Um, Simply a good topic, I guess, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. It's, it's very good, but you know, but that's always, I've always said that Maiden fans are the, you know, every, every fan base claims to be the best fan base and every band claims their fans are the best and all that nice, but every, every one of them are wrong except for Iron Maiden because they do have the best fans, yes. I think. And, uh, and I guess so do we by that, in that, by that, uh, we are the best listeners, I guess then. Yeah, I guess so we do, <laughs> or a, a portion of the best fan base is also yeah, our listeners, which would be a yeah. great thing. Uh, the, was there anything more from Greg? So that was Buffalo. the whole email. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, Fatema is still going on here. So we have another comment. It's on an early episode too. It's on uh, Knights of the Dead, actually. Want to do that uh, too now? We were here? Yeah. And then right. uh, first he says, interesting that you mentioned the perspective of a live album mixed from the drummer point of view, which was my kind of idea or what I heard in that one. And then she adds, the Rock and Rio version of Silent Cross sounded superior, in my opinion. Uh, but this one was still really good. And um, she adds that uh, Bruce must have had some sort of cold, like I kind of spotted as well. Uh, Nico sounding awesome. And I agree with that, right? It's, uh, if nothing else, a very good live drum Maiden album. What would you say? Yeah, yeah. Have you heard it yet, Eric? No, uh, Henrik? Yes, I have heard it. And I think it's, the, uh, instrumentally, I think it's really good. I think the, drum, the drums both sound vital and energetic, and the playing is really good. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's a very good Nick McBrain. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and that makes it more enjoyable because it's also a very nice mix in terms of representing yeah. the drums. Mm-hmm. She she adds the crowd sound was kind of dull, which we've already addressed. Yeah, uh, yeah. Know, I don't know why it sounds like that. My idea was that it sounds like a distant horde 
more like a football kind of crowd. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how they got to that point or what they did to get to that point. I don't know how they mixed it. If it's just kind of uh, high pass, low pass filter or something. Well, it's, no it sounds out of face strange. I don't know what yeah. happened to it. Really odd. Really yeah. odd. It's very odd. There's there's some there's some odd choices for sure. And also, I read the um, on the latest issue of the Fan Club magazine. Um, they do discuss because there's a long, long interview with Bruce, uh, and he does he does mention you know being sick around that time, so before then you know whatnot. Yeah. So I imagine that affected this quite a bit, as long you know that as well as and and also the uh, the high altitude that I mentioned probably yeah, yeah. several times. And you can hear him being sick as well on um, the Rock and Rio recording from the same yeah. tour. He's clearly struggling a little bit. And on Live After Death, so that's a maiden trademark. That's right, <laughs> yeah. that's right. I think uh, they haven't really like catered to Bruce in choosing <laughs> when to record, right? It's some, Steve thinks of something else, you know, the band's form or the location maybe, yeah. I don't know. Mm. Or even just like, I mean, for instance, you know, in instrumental-wise, instrumental Knights of the Dead sounds great except for the vocals you know? yeah, so. yeah. and uh, there's more uh, revelations oh, yeah. one of my super favorites started fine crowd signing dull again but i can understand that then i reached the point of the second solo and i suddenly got very angry <laughs> kept listening to it uh, and the uh, hallowed i felt was one of the worst renditions since the reunion i have nothing against yannick no disrespect he's a great guy and a great musician and he owns much respect, but he's terrible at playing Adrian's classic solos. What do you think? Agree. 100% agree. <laughs> Pretty much, right? Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely, for sure. I don't have I mean, too much to add to that. And I know that, uh, of course, uh, they have to add Adrian, no, Janik's soloing to some of the old songs. Otherwise, he would be without solos for a huge yeah. part of the set, right? Mm. So I understand it from that, from that perspective. But, of course, you're never really happy when he steps in and does an Adrian solo, are you? No, no. it's, it's, it's not. I mean, like I said, for, we've, we've mentioned before, he does, he has some of his own solos that are, I think, amazing. Yeah. And he maybe should stay to those. <laughs> mm, maybe so. And they're so composed, which is not Yannick's style. I get that it's no. not his style, but if it's so composed, there will be a missing element of composition when someone just wings it. Mm. Right. Well, that's, that's, I mean, a, a little bit, uh, let me, I'm, I'm, in full disclosure, we've been recording for quite a while, so I don't know which order we did things in. But when we, we mentioned, um, when we talked about uh, Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter, which would have been the last episode, uh, yeah. a couple of years ago, 2019, uh, me, uh, Hendrik, and a few other uh, people uh, did a bit of a cover gig where we played around a Halloween party, where we played, among other songs, uh, Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Yeah. Had it been any other... Maiden song or a different Maiden era, I would have been terrified because I was I did lead on that. But since it was the Yannick solo, I mean anything I was doing was fine. It sounded all right. <laughs> yeah. You know, just it's 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 mm. it's sort of it's some some of those some like he does really great stuff sometimes, but a lot of some of them are just kind of like you know sort of barely organized noises yeah. in the right key, if even. Mm. And that's it, it, it works for that. It works for that, but it you know it's not particularly hard to emulate. No, no. And I mean, we addressed before, we even paid a good tribute to him. If you haven't heard it, you can check out the Blood Brothers episode. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, like he really gave him his, his shine, you know, his, his time in the spotlight. He's a good musician. As said Fatima, you know, for, for just to keep it clear, 
Like, I think no one is against him being in there, but uh, she also asked, no, no, no. Uh, which I already asked you, like, do you honestly feel comfortable with him stepping in and taking an Adrian solo? And the answer is no. No. Right. Mm. It's not comfortable. <laughs> Simple as that. Even, but still props to Janik, you know, for many other reasons. It, it makes sense why they have to do that, especially when you do tours like when you did the uh, early days tour. You wouldn't get a single fucking solo if they just, yeah. uh, you know, mm. so... So then she adds, as a final note on uh, Knights of the Dead, uh, that it's not her favorite live album, not even by stretch, and the favorite ones being Live After Death, Beast Over Hammersmith, and Made in England. You know, mm. And that's all a different Maiden, isn't it? That's a solid list. That's a good list. I, I like that list. Um, yeah. It's not, it's not my favorite either. I'll put it that way. Yeah. But I still, I still enjoy it. And then finally adding Knights of the Dead. Nah, it just reminds me of Donington, real live one, real dead one in too many ways. <laughs> mm, that's harsh, but yes, sure. It's right. harsh, yeah. But I mean, to each his own. And uh, it's, yeah, it's not the best Maiden live album. I guess it was just nice to have something released by our Maiden, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, the, 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 unfortunately, it kind of got outshadowed by, on, on the various fan groups, by, you know, there's delivery problems. And people went fucking nuts about that. I, I complained quite a bit about that in the Nights of the Dead episode, so I don't have to do that again. But yeah. um, and it seems also slightly re- weird to complain about people complaining, but because uh, <laughs> it seems like seems slightly unnecessary. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you on that one. But I just kind of in, in the midst of last year, just having like something to look forward to, like that, like an event, like just like oh my god, here there's there's a new Iron Maiden thing. Yeah. Was, yeah, you know, exactly. It's very I need, fun a, new, I need a new album now too. I really mm. do, actually. Oh, I don't yeah, know. How do you definitely. feel about that, Henrik? Not being a huge fan of the 2000s, do you also need a new one, or are you fine without it? I'm kind of fine without it, but it's going to be interesting to hear and see new stuff as well because it's there might crop up stuff that surprises me and sort of like catches my interest. It's not that I'm totally uninterested in it. It's just that I've sort of gone into all other areas of music personally so yeah. i don't really yeah, i mean so have uh, yeah. other guests of ours like christian yeah. or or don as well mm. uh, okay there are a few more lines here uh, another one was just sending props to eric and christian for their renditions and their takes on the band as well as don's takes on the band so you know just uh, props to our guests which we of course agree with it will be um, yeah we're just joining the choir on that one right Definitely, definitely. Cool to have people in playing, you know, adaptations or close to the original, actually, of, of the original solos and bass lines. Of course, we're happy with that. Uh, here we go. There's another one. <laughs> There's a lot of emails here uh, about the last one, actually, or not last one, but quite recent episode, Book of Souls and Brave New World. There's another one, too. And um, yeah, she says, first off, great analysis of both songs. Talking brain world and you engineer as a software engineer. I sometimes really come to feel um, where the hell is the world going with all these insane changes, especially in technology. What will happen uh, to ethics and and other stuff? Even right now, going through each and every uh, character in this email, um, you know, it's greetings to our digital overlords. Double smiley. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i mean of course uh, i think that was an interesting topic in the brave new world episode to talk about how this development is uh, with this logarithmical you know what's the word is it logarithmical or uh, yeah lo- logarithmic um, expo- exp- exponential exponential, exponential yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the exponential growth in technology it is interesting right and this is was back in 2000 and 
the book even older than that. And, you know, kind of foreshadowing in a sense, this insane development that we're in right now. And uh, I don't know, sometimes, yeah, I feel the same thing. Like, uh, where is this all going? Right? Do you have any comments on that? Yeah, it's there's 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 an old i don't know where it's from i think i was going to say it's an old it's, it's credited being an old sort of chinese proverb i don't know if that's the case but the the, uh, the it's uh, essentially uh, may you live in interesting times and it sounds if you don't analyze it further it sounds like it's positive but it really means i hope you have a you know cuz interesting is not good interesting is no one wants if you're having an interesting you know <laughs> if you're saying how was your saturday night interesting it probably wasn't a great evening something 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 probably arguably not great happened and then yeah. you have a story to tell Something went wrong. Yeah, I think everyone at the moment in, this, in the world is racking up the amount of stories they can tell afterwards about this, and not in a good way. So yeah, that's that's. Uh, so yeah. yeah, there's a lot of insane things are changing, and you know, not all you know, not all change is obviously good. Uh, but yeah. succinct you know. way to put it. Then uh, yeah. she co continues with um, comparing the overall sound of peace of mind. Uh, uh, yeah, it could be, but uh, that was my comparison, by the way. Yeah. I believe peace of mind sounded peace of mind sounded better production wise, you know. And then uh, she adds uh, a little bit more beefy with three guitars, maybe. And then uh, personally, considering musical approaches, stories uh, while writing, production of the album, the tour, etc., she feels that a matter of life and death or the final frontier uh, would be the uh, would be the summer in times. And uh, uh, then she adds the other one being the Seventh Sun post reunion era. Not sure yet. Probably we never will be. And you know, neither am I. Uh, sometimes I pair them, and then I repair them uh, in times in terms of production. You know, Maiden has a sound, but also every album has its own sound, right? Uh, I wouldn't want to ask. I would want to ask Henrik, what's your favorite productions studio-wise? Well, it, it's going to be peace of mind by a long shot because I don't know anything that sounds like that right. record. It's beefy and it's clear and it's still, you know, well, it's, it's got everything I think in for that yeah. type of music. Also makes me think of uh, Fenris from Dark Throne, the Norwegian guy. He said that uh, to him every heavy metal album might sound like peace of mind, and then he would be happy. Yes, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's the way he wants heavy metal to sound. Mm. You know, and uh, I mean, I could kind of agree. What do you think, Eric, on that production? I was, um, here's the thing. If I, I, I was going to initially give you like two or three that I really like, but if I, if, if I break the rule of just picking one, I end up picking five, like 10 of them. So I'm yeah. just going to say, I'm probably going to go with the, uh, I'd say peace of mind. Um, close second would be, uh, maybe seven sun or power slave. And then you got brave new world in there. So well, again, I can't just, but I'll just say peace of mind just to, yeah. <laughs> Because otherwise we... <laughs> it's an interesting one because I didn't really fancy it in the digital age when I had the remaster. I thought it was a bit muddy and, you know, a bit uh, kind of um, a little bit uh, muffled. But mm. when I hear it on, on the original LP pressing, it sounds super aggressive with this really rich uh, distortion in the mid. 
mm. mid spectrum and it's uh, yeah sounds killer what can i say it's a really really cool sounding album and very stripped down in a sense there's a lot of choir add-ons to it but other than that it's quite live band sounding mm. i would say and the choirs also add to it uh, you know i used to feel a bit iffy about the the ones uh, you know the flight of icarus or uh, what else is super harmonized on that one sun and steel perhaps sun and steel sun yeah. and steel's like, uh, uh, me, me and henrik have many a time discussed the, the fact that we we really want to hear that one live i, yeah, I, me too. I love that song I th- and it's cheerful again it's a it's a cheery yeah, it's cheery. very cheerful yeah. it's, mm. it is it is right yeah it is and i uh, like just like uh, burning ambition perhaps that we we will discuss later but uh yeah the cheerful sound of um, of sun and steel it was my most played song in 2018 on spotify as well <laughs> you know i think mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just like what i feel like listening to right now ah sun and steel yeah that'll, that'll bring me to a good mood you know so so not not brighter than a thousand suns probably not probably not no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there's two more points here and then we're through with this round of emails but uh keep them coming for sure and, oh yeah uh, yeah 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 she says that um Nice that you mentioned the similarities in Book of Souls with the tracks Mother Russia and Montsegur. Um, I'm still not sure if that's intentional or if it was lack of ideas or just self-repetition. Um, you know, we also don't know, of course, what that would be about. Probably just Steve's or Janik's way of writing somehow, you know, repeats itself in a sense. And uh, yeah, we've seen many songs of these types of riff structures from him. Um, and then on Shadows of the Valley, you hear something very similar to Wasted Years. Uh, and a little bit of Sea of Madness in the lyrics. Maybe it was intentional, or what do you think? That's the question. What do you think? Is it intentional when Maiden repeat themselves, or is it just Maiden being Maiden? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, on, on songs like... Uh Shadow of the Valley, it's 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 so obvious. It sound it's 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 wasted years in a different key. It might even be the same key. I don't know. Uh, and that kind of uh, you got you got to think there must be some kind of thought there because it's it, there's no way it's not like it's not like it's not noticeable. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I don't know. What do, what are your thoughts, Henrik? Yeah, but I think I, I don't. I'm I'm not sure how it works because some st- some things are so obviously identical more or less so I, I i don't know if they just disregard it and think well we have our eight notes in an octave or if they think chromatically 12 i don't know but and there's only so much we can do with it or if they i don't think they've forgotten wasted years and then adapted it into another song i don't think that's the case but it's difficult to say i, I think it's yeah. really strange because some stuff are to my ears a lot more uh, they are too similar for I would never have written two songs with this, with the, those elements right yeah I think maybe they're just like feeling entitled to do this yeah, we are sure. Iron Maiden and we're entitled to do Maiden you know which I could agree on uh, I mean I'm a fan of ACDC for example and you know what are they what are they doing if not self repetition I don't know ACDC well enough but I I've never heard one song with ACDC and mistook it for another ACDC song. Right. Oh, okay, you haven't. No, no, but I mean, yeah, actually, you're right. There's always a flair. There's always a taste there. It's more like the overall sound is very similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's very consistent. You're right. It's a good point, actually, you're making mm. there. And then another band, Motorhead, they yeah. are very close to themselves quite often. And 
maybe they should be uh, slayer another example but but also i think any band or any artist or any anything or any t- any kind of form of anything that has more of one thing of it like you like any movie series or band or whatever is gonna for someone unfamiliar with them and just sort of having a vague idea what they think it is everything's gonna seem familiar if you don't know it but if you as soon as you know it yeah. you know you're gonna like, like there's people can hear difference between you know uh, uh grindcore songs that are under you know like like under like three seconds long and for me i probably can't but I'm, i haven't heard the damn things enough but if i've had then I, if i'm familiar with them i'd be able to hear all of the kind of differences in them yeah. but mm. you know that's probably the same for ACDC and the same for Iron Maiden and you know vice versa. So right, mm. yeah. I mean, it's also I'm, I'm I feel like these big bands they are allowed to do it too. Uh, that's my personal opinion. Uh, it's, it's okay if they play on their own strengths in a sense. They, they can do whatever they like. I mean, that's that's their strength. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the final uh, little bit, the final paragraph here would be: wasn't the biggest Book of Souls fan when it was released? Um, didn't hate it but it wasn't love at first listen definitely grown on me a lot which i agree with i i didn't really like it at the first time but it has grown and then she says still going back to a matter of life and death and final frontier more than book of souls and uh yeah that's it and that also ties to the poll that i added up you know where a matter of life and death was winning it seems to be the most popular of the later maiden era is, is she in our uh, in our facebook group yet I don't know if she's on Facebook, but yeah, welcome in. In that yeah, case, definitely you know? better, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll send, send, in. send her the link so she can. Yeah, yeah. I will stay in touch definitely, and we have been discussing a, a, a proper feature in this show as well. So might show well, up. Good, that'll, be, that'll be fun. Yeah, I, I was just to say before before we move on there, um, it's interesting because Shadow of the Valley, or Shadows of the Valley rather, uh, that's the one of the wasted wasted year kind of wasted years kind of uh, yeah intro. Also, I was surprised. I just looked at it. It's, it's not written by Smith. Uh, Adrian's not involved in that one. It's it's, it's Janik and, and Steve. Ah, okay, yeah. That that's uh, yeah, that's different. So, right? so, so Janik borrowed it from uh, Adrian, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I mean, open E string in E minor. It's not really that odd of a choice. It's not like an earth shattering move, but uh, in wasted years, it is because it's so like it just really sits. It's the yeah. identity of that song of that riff. Yeah, I mean, you have a very similar thing in. Lost for words as well, yeah. Uh, in the, which in is the entirely Steve. So, right, right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, something Maiden might do again, I would guess. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think Shadows of the Valley is not uh, an amazing song, but we'll get to that in years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. not wasted years. Oh yeah, not wasted. And uh, yeah, we'll get to that. But in this episode, we will touch on. Uh, yeah, this is a bit of a bonus song in a way, or. We're going to be talking about uh, an actual, actual a, a B side. Yes, and the funny thing you realize it's the last song on B. Yeah, but it's also a B side, so that's kind of fun. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's to the point of of loving to discuss this band that it's hard to just skip over Burning Ambition. We did skip over Black Bart Blues, and that was a discussion. You know, <laughs> we had a yeah. little discussion around this, mm. uh, and I don't really know. I didn't catch any opinions on it, but I always felt like that was maybe a. A joke song whereas the song today burning ambition maybe it's not the most serious song i've heard in my life but it's definitely a steve harris original track you know written for his band but i don't know do you know when this was written henrik you know this is one of the i, th- I think i've read that it, this is the act the earliest steve harris song that has been recorded yeah i am not sure that's the case now that they started 
the guys who are in Gypsy's Kiss, uh, the influence, have recorded stuff from back in their day. I don't know if they recorded any songs that Steve wrote, because I, I know they released a song called Endless Pit, which is supposedly Steve's first version of Innocent Exile. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, this is definitely the first, the earliest Iron Maiden song, earliest Steve song that Iron Maiden have yeah. recorded and released. So it's That's it. going to be like early 76, then I guess, 75, 76. Yeah. And to tackle the musical contents of it, you can hear that it's a 70s song, right? Yeah, I think it's so. It's quite clear. Definitely. I have Definitely. a super quick clip here of uh, Thomas Whitson, the nylon string player, his version of it, uh, just to kind of uh, highlight, I guess, the way it's written, the way it's composed. composition uh, has this 70s flowery vibe to it doesn't it Somehow. yeah it's very upbeat mm. it, it is and it and it strikes me that it's this song is in d major or yeah. our bluesy d major so and all the songs that steve has written that are in a major i think are in d major actually yeah i mean you have the number of the beast intro you have uh, clairvoyant you have uh, the bit from the middle of Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Yeah, and I think it's partly also because D major is very close to E minor uh, in terms of contents. If I recall cor- correctly, there's one note that is switched, is the mm. C that is now a C sharp. So it's uh, like a, uh, very close to E minor, it's like uh, E minor Dorian mode, it's the same note, note content. Mm. Quite uh, common in the 70s, this type of vibe. Yeah, And yeah, it's a very happy, upbeat sound. And it mm. sounds like maybe you could hear that it's a young guy that wrote it. Kind of naive, you know. And then the fills in the verse. Yeah, <laughs> he put in a blues, a bluesy chop there. Yeah. But I think actually this song was, uh, he presented it to when he still was in the band Smiler before Iron Maiden, which was sort of yeah. like a, a blues outfit. And... Yeah. But they sort of felt this had this song was too complicated. It has too many changes. I don't, I don't know if complicated is the correct word, but the changes. I mean, you have the middle bit with the mm. melodies after it. That's sort of like a bit too disparate for a blues band, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think they were more of a boogie band, but it's not that far off. Uh, yeah, and, sure. And yeah. also, mm. I think the song that was too complicated was, in fact, Innocent Exile. Or uh, yeah. what was it called back then? Endless Pit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that was the one that really threw them off, whereas this mm. one they could probably jam out. You know, it's not really that boogie-ish, though. No, it's, it's not. No. I mean, it's closer to folk music. I'm sure it didn't fit their style, so I guess that's why. Yeah. And, and Steve chose to form a, form a band of his own to play his songs. So. Yeah, yeah. But this song, does it even fit the Iron Maiden style? That's the question. What would you say, Eric? 
No, I mean, I think that when I was listening to it on the way home from work today, and this is the first time I listened to it in quite a while, it struck me how much it sounds like Thin Lizzy. Yes, very much so, right? And I think it kind of sounds more, I mean, it sounds way more like them than it is Iron Maiden. Yeah. Yeah, that's But true. not really like, they, it doesn't reach the, the brilliance of Thin Lizzy. It's more like Thin Lizzy for dummies, I would say. <laughs> I mean, yeah, not, I mean not, to Harris, yeah. not to put Harris down, mm. but Thin Lizzy, they have a lot of major-ish vibe, but they, they're more layered, more advanced, mm. definitely more dynamic. Whereas this one is almost punkish, you know, mm. especially the verses. I think the punky punk comes the punky punk. I think the punk comes from Paul Diano's delivery. Yeah. Because true. he's he's just he's giving it the edge, yeah. Also the tempo, like how they hit it and you know, you can tell that it's a young and hungry band yeah. at this point. And that could bring some punk sensibilities to it. Famously mm. Steve didn't enjoy punk at all. Mm. It was not his cup of tea, so to speak. He liked his seventies prog. And uh, hard and hard rock kind of thing, the purple, the Zeppelin, even, but not really punk. Mm. But uh, still, like by just virtue of being young and uh, with a lot of energy uh, from the East End, you know, it's almost like they're automatically punked in a sense. Yeah. Mm. Uh, early Iron Maiden, which I think is a strength of early Iron Maiden. It, it mm. makes them always a little bit, uh, you know, when you hear it, it's kind of it brings your attention in a sense. It does. If it would have been a more laid-back, summary, clean song, maybe it wouldn't have, you know. No, they, I don't think they would have had that impact if they didn't have the... Well, Steve uses the word aggression. I think intensity is a more appropriate word, really, of, mm. yeah. of, yeah. of what they do. So I agree. It's really interesting to hear that in a song that is very joyous, a very joyous tune, you know, it's still got that drive, I think. And it's, and it's one of the few, well, I mean, it's the only EMI release with Doug Samson on drums. Unless we count the, uh, re, wasn't there a reissue with the... Uh, uh, metal for Mothers, right? He did um, Ratchet. Yeah, Child. exactly. Yeah, he's, yeah. yeah, he's on there as, as well. Yeah, Doug Samson. Child, and and you can really tell in Ratchet that uh, you miss Clive. <laughs> or, you know, Clive wasn't, hadn't been in that song before. So, but you, as a... After the fact, yeah, you, it's, you miss Clive. It's very easy to see what uh, what Clive brought into the band when you listen to some of the earlier versions, sure earlier is. recordings. Yeah, so and not the, not to put Doug Samson down. I mean, he did a terrific job of being the backbone for Iron Maiden to propel them to where yeah. they got the record deal and stuff like that. But his, and also he didn't have a reference like I do. You know, I'm in yeah. with the luxury of looking back. You know, I have the hindsight power here, but he didn't. He hadn't heard Clive do these songs. Maybe if no. he had heard Clive's super precise renditions, he could have went a little bit closer to that mm. just, you know, by having the reference, but he didn't. He was just in a band, you know, like for us in our early bands, there was no reference, right? Yeah, there was this yeah, we, riff. we just played what we thought the tune was so yeah yeah <laughs> exactly with mm -hmm. emphasis on thought you yeah know, you, mm -hmm. you didn't know you didn't know yeah. and uh, like we had uh, eric arca he talked about early cover renditions when you got stuck on one riff because that's all you could do you know mm -hmm. and yeah and steve is not too far from that here he's not that old you know just uh, barely turned 20 when he wrote this song mm -hmm. so it's definitely this kind of youth youth song and you can tell in the lyrics too uh, quite funny lyrics actually where he's just kind of describing himself as this super ambitious young man and you better watch your step woman 
Because I ain't like the other men. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, mean, I, I think probably when he wrote it, he didn't think it was funny. I think he probably thought, "Yeah, man, this is the shit. This is this is gonna be." This yeah, is, yeah, I mean, know, for sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> but that makes it more funny, right? It makes it more funny that yeah. you know, funny because it's true. I don't know, but mm. uh, you know, these lyrics about, "Hey, I'm a, I've got these big dreams. I'm not like, I'm not gonna settle down with you. I'm gonna tour the world with my hard rocking band, which yeah. is cute." But he did also. Tour mm-hmm. the world. If you, if you look, if you, if you look at early, early like songs, like like you know early day songs, a lot of bands they have kind of goofy lyrics. I mean, now this one didn't make any you know official you know a studio album, but if you look like even like on Kill 'Em All by Metallica, there's some there's some lyrics there that are kind of on par of that. For uh, sure, you yeah. know meta yeah. lyrics as well. You know, I, I think you're mm-hmm. addressing this kind of meta lyrics, right? Mm-hmm. Come yeah. watch the band rock out tonight. You know, kind of presenting the band in mm-hmm. a sense. You know, songs like Phantom Lord. For example, well, yeah, yeah. Isn't there a song where they actually point out the because we're Metallica? Yeah, that'd be Whiplash. Yeah, I mean that. That yeah, also, I mean, you know, that it kind of works, but it also kind of I understand why people <laughs> might not. It's it cute. sort of works and doesn't work. It's cute, you know, and they mm. are super young and on this on Kill 'Em All. They are about the age when Harry supposedly wrote Burning Ambition, mm. you know. But they also have more hindsight power because they have heard Iron Maiden when when they're making Kill 'Em All, right? Harry's had yeah, only so heard his '70s stuff, his Yeses and his. Rush and Genesis and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know. Genocide. <laughs> <that's all> <laughs> <laughs> the different genocide. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where he is. And this is the Genesis yeah. of Iron Maiden, you know, in a sense. I mean, this track, uh, Innocent Exile, uh, what else is super early? I think Purgatory by the name of Floating. Yeah, that's well. a very early one. And early, early songs in general, or? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Prowler is an early one. Sanctuary is. Sure. Uh, Charlotte the Harlot should be 77. I don't know. If, I don't know if we mean early, early as in. 70s, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because a lot of people tend to forget, I guess, uh, including myself for many years, that Iron Maiden is also a 70s band. Yeah. Not in the discography, um, with the first album being released in 80, mm. but five years as a band. And. A struggling one at that, yeah. At least from the stories, right? With this mm. van, you know, with the ice inside of the roof, uh, Ex- trying, yeah. trying to catch Fr- some sleep. Frost, du- frost on the blankets, double sleeping bags, and and whatnot. And uh, yeah. but did they even feature this song live? I, you know, they must have done, but I have not stumbled upon any record of it being played. Yeah, and, uh, no, I that's looked, I looked one of the things well. I could have researched before going on here, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I did, and I didn't find anything. I couldn't find oh. a live version of it. No, I don't. I don't think. I don't know. I don't think it's. There's been a sort of like a released bootleg yeah. of it, but there might be recordings that only circulate among people who only circulate things that are only circulated among people who only circulate things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'd like to hear it, but I could also imagine roughly how it would sound, right? It, mm. w- it wouldn't be that far off. It wouldn't be that outlandish or earth shattering, if you will. But uh, Probably not, no. But I like the song no, in a sense. You know, it's, it's a song. I kind of like these documents of, of um, you know, future stars. Uh, where yeah. they, You know, they're just planning it. You know, they have, it's like any other kid in his, you know, teenage room. Just like, I'm going to rock the world, you know? And uh, when it turns out to be Steve Harris, it's a nice document. It's just cool mm. to have. And it's also interesting because when they recorded this one in November 79, I think it was, Wessex Studios, 
they did record Running Free as well because that was a sort of new song. Mm-hmm. And uh, that one was accidentally released. I don't know how it came about, <laughs> but it was accidentally released on a, on a compilation album. Uh, I, I know an album with loads of different acts on it. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's really interesting because there you have Running Free with Doug Sampson's drums. And then you sort of like have the album, the first album with Clive Burr's drums. And it's two di- totally different songs. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, I think especially on Ratchild, I hear the difference in, in the way you yeah. drive the song forward, mm. the way you propel the song. Definitely, Dog Samson. Mm. Nice to mention him though on the show. We haven't touched on many of the old old members. No, yeah, not not so far. Yeah, no, simply mm. because they're not really involved in what we've been talking about, right? So, uh, I don't think we've touched on these songs with possible hidden credits, but we have touched on the on the concept of possible hidden credits. Yeah, I heard, yeah. I heard recently from this Dutch guy that really focused on Maiden before Maiden mm. that uh, Phantom of the Opera was supposedly also a mishmash of everyone bringing their best stuff. I've heard that as well. Yeah, mm. I mean, for me, it doesn't take away anything from Harry's. It's still his masterpiece, mm. but it also makes sense because it's so damn good. Phantom of the Opera, mm. it's just so good. It is. It's a. It's. I think it, that's my first. Favorite of the early Maiden songs, of the Diano era songs, was Phantom yeah. of the Opera. Yeah, I think so for me too, actually, mm-hmm. yeah, probably. Same here. Wouldn't say that about Burning Ambition, but... <laughs> no, but, I, to... but I, was hap- I was happily intrigued by it when I heard it. Yeah. First, the first time. When did you hear it first, Eric? You remember? You recall? Uh, no, I don't. Um, it might have been around the same time that I heard our next song we're talking about. Uh, I'll, but I'll, I'll explain. Uh, yeah. Well, so here, here's a, here's a story. Yeah. So back when, uh, when I first, uh, like the year after I saw Maiden the second time at on the metal 2000 tour, uh, one of, one of the guys who in my, uh, my class who I didn't, who I, hadn't, who I hadn't really talked to before, but since we both discovered, we both like Iron Maiden, we talked a little more and he had a bunch of those, uh, the re-release singles, the uh, you know the uh, the double twelve-inch ones. Uh, yeah, but he had them. He had them on uh, on CD. Um, okay, yeah. Mm. The first ten years, the first ten years. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, those. Yeah. So the ones with the you know like uh, the singles released with uh, usually an added bonus track with Nico just you know talking yeah. for yeah, exactly. making nonsense. Mm. And uh, one of the first times I heard our next song, and I think I mean I don't know why I'm trying to bury the lead. Anyone who's seen the episode knows which one that is. Uh, can I play the madness? Was definitely the first time I heard it. Was was on one of these um, one of these singles, and also, of course, this song was one of them as well that he had. And I heard heard that, and I, you know, I, it, it stuck out then too because it, it, it sounded very different from what I was used to. Yeah, mm. but at the but same so, time, so, sorry, I was gonna say just quickly, a lot, a lot of my early Maiden uh, that before because I didn't before I got all the albums myself, I heard uh, thanks to this guy. For letting me borrow his uh, his uh, singles, so a shout out to Christer Ramstedt. Uh, he's probably not listening to this, but if he is, thank you, sir. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, still shout out from the podcast heaven, I guess. And, yeah. <laughs> and also to your point, it doesn't sound like Maiden, but it also sounds so clearly like Maiden. Mm. Uh, you never think like, oh, this is a fake. You know, this is someone faking early Maiden. It's so easy to tell somehow. Like the identity is already stamped into even that song. Dave Murray's guitar solo is so Dave Murray. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
Do you know Hendrik when they recorded the version that we all can hear? This one. Yeah. Uh, on the single. Yeah. Yeah. It was in November '79. Mm, okay. Yeah. So that also makes sense in a way that it was far after the song actually been written. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So I, th- I think it was actually brought brought in to be recorded just because it was the oldest song. Mm-hmm. The, okay, the earliest really, Steve yeah. song or something like that. Because yeah. I mean, I need mean, at least that's the story I've heard. I don't know. It's almost like Steve's business card in a way. You know, his business card saying, "Better watch your step, woman. I'm gonna make it yeah. big." <laughs> <laughs> it's a very fun <laughs> phrasing. That doesn't sound like Steve though at all. You know, uh, it sounds like Steve imagining himself as a rock star in a way. But I think it's endearing. Uh, it's cute, cute and nice. Burning ambition was the first first proper song I ever wrote, Steve says in Bass Player webpage in December Mm -hmm. 2015. So there we have a a link as well. Yeah. So it's definitely teenager at the point of writing this. Yeah. I don't remember, I don't recall when he started basing around, but I think he was... He was 17, I think. Yeah, not that young. Yeah, 17. No. Mm. Possibly because of the collision with the football thing. Yeah, he'd given up. He's sort of like gave up the football and started playing bass as far as i understand it that he was also good at but uh, yeah. i'm wondering mm. i want to run it by you guys have you ever had a clash like that you know choosing between playing music and getting involved in that and something else because i never really did i always had no no not uh, me not really i always had the time to do both i guess well i'm not going to say a clash it's just that my focus totally went from music to everything's aviation when i was 12 or 13 and then mm. for two years there was nothing but airplanes in my world at what and age then, again uh like 12 13 something ah, okay, something cool, like that yeah. Yeah. yeah i think you have that in common with bruce then who was probably also meddling around with his aviation interest already at that age or possibly yeah, younger. possibly yeah possibly mm. younger like five six years old in mm. the in the early 60s yeah. you know you probably were would be playing with yeah and he yeah. had and he had his uncle who was in the raf during the war so Okay, yeah. Mm. And um, Burning Ambition, I mean, it's not going to go on the list, right? Well, I'll actually make it very easy. It can't go on the list because if we're doing this via Spotify, it's not on there. Okay, yeah. (laughs) I mean, and also, let's face it, how could it ever be in the top 50? It's not going to be in the top 50, Mm. no, no. I like like it, but I'm not sure that it's going to, you know... Work, work its way to the list. I don't, I'm not sure, no. Yeah, I mean, I like the enthusiasm. I like that you like it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just a song that, I mean, how could you hate it also? It's impossible to hate this song. Yeah. <laughs> it's too cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the, quite possibly the cutest Steve Harris song ever, isn't it? You know, by yeah. a landslide. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. But there's a bit in Drifter that's very cute as well. This, again, D major. It's and the bass is going. It's very cute. We spoke last time about not putting on brighter than a thousand sounds on a party. This one you could put on on a party. Definitely, yeah. This is better than brighter than a thousand sounds on a party. I mean, cracking the first beer kind of song, and also Drifter. 
the biggest, the only obstacle about not putting it on the party is it's not not on fucking Spotify. But yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> we, we we do have the technology to somehow. Well, no, I know, I know. Yeah. But I'm thinking generally speaking. Also, yeah. I, you know, I, I I have it in physical format as well. But I'm I'll, just I'll use the... I'll use one of my five different singles and play it from one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Good fan right there. <laughs> five versions of Burning Ambition ready at yeah. hand. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and of course, it's not the only song for this episode. No, the next one is uh, probably one that, I mean, I, there, there, it might be the case that some of our listeners weren't actually familiar with Burning Ambition until right now. That could be the case. Some, yes. Some of them. Could be. Uh, however, I'm going to, willing to, you know, uh, to, uh, to bet that most of them have heard this next song. Yeah. And that is, of course, uh, Can I Play Madness? It is. Uh, lead single off of Seventh Son, right? Yes. Yeah, and also made an A to Z, opening up my favorite Iron Maiden album, Seventh Son. Yeah, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Again, I would not have started with this song, but that's how it works. You know, mm-hmm. that's how this pod works. But yeah. yeah, what a good album it is, I think. And I also looked it up uh, how quickly they did it. You know, because in between the end of Somewhere on Tour, was it called that back then? I don't know. The Somewhere in I Time think World it's Tour. Some, I think it's Somewhere on Tour. Yeah. In between yeah. the end of that and going out on the seventh tour, it was not a long time, not even a year. And in that time, they managed mm. to, you know, get to the studio in München, record this album, possibly write most of it during this time as well, mm. and uh, tighten the concept, you know, do all the PR, everything, the artwork, so quickly. And the album comes in at 44 minutes. I think it's very concise, very, yeah. very good sequencing on Seventh Sun. Huge part of why it's my favorite Maiden album. Mm. Uh, just, just so so nicely composed. Yeah. But yeah. All mm. that said, uh, "Can I Play with Madness" was my least favorite track for a long time on this album, and I didn't even like it at all when I was a kid. But I think that was partly due to me liking death metal and thrash metal, and it's far cry from that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not not very it's not very thrash metally. No. No. Uh, <laughs> what about you guys? This song. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, I, I, it was the first song I heard from the album. They there was actually a, a re- report, an interview with Bruce on Swedish television, uh, where they played it. They played the video and the song, which was very rare back in 1988, but they did. And I, I, th- I thought it was really weird with the a cappella intro. Oh yeah. Can I play with madness? Tough one to swallow for me. Yeah, but I mean, it was Iron Maiden, so I listened to it on and on and on. I did record it on tape from the TV because we didn't have a VCR. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, I, and I do like it. There's something about it. It's very catchy in a very sort of, you know, melodic rock way. And that's, yes. that's Adrian. But it's, I still think it's a solid song. I like the verses. Yeah. I like the whole vibe of it, actually. It also introduces a brand new instrument, I do believe, into the band, which is not the synthesizer. Can you guess it? Are you going for the cowbell? Yeah, I think yeah. it's the first cowbell track, or is I, it? I don't. Well, I'm if you, sure. if we're not allowing B sides and covers, it's right. the first one. But they did, I think, Nico play cow, plays cowbell on King of Twilight, the Nectar cover on mm. the B side of Aces High. Mm. What do you think about the uh, the cowbell? In can I play with madness? I think cowbell is is superfluous wherever it is, so not don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> now, would you count cowbells as a, as its own instrument? I think it's just a part of the. Uh, I don't nah, know if it's an instrument. I often say that uh, the drum kit is not an instrument. 
the drum kit is 15 instruments or in Nico's case more than that you know because mm. that's technically the truth you know a snare drum is an instrument yeah. a tom tom is an instrument and yes a cowbell is an instrument I do I do agree with that with that approach actually I think it's interesting yeah, yeah. yeah. you can play only cowbell it's very much possible it's not going to be the most fun, but... But do you have anyone who just plays snare drum or just plays... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Definitely, man. That's how the snare started, you know. It was played solely. You had, you yeah, had you know, and marching things. Yeah, 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 definitely. All right, that, never mind. I, I, just, I just realized that's a thing. Yes, obviously. Yeah, no, never mind. No, I'm, not trying to be, <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just passionate about drums. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know, I know. I was the one who didn't think that through. Right. I'm very passionate uh, about drums, you know. I look at these history channels about drums, drum history and stuff. I don't know. I'm way more passionate about drums than guitars, even though I'm a guitarist. It just it brings oh. inspiration to me somehow. Uh, this, mm. this instrument or this park of instruments, and like uh, with that note, maybe it's a good time to listen to some Nico drums. I've been dying to play some isolated tracks for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, all right. Why don't you go for that? Here we go. Got a kind of twisted sister kind of vibe. Right. Nice groove, nice drive. Yeah. Let's see how he handles the transitions. That one too. Oh, that's so cool. That's, yeah, I love it. That is so much Nico. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to let you guys in on it, but I love this. <laughs> I just, yeah. This makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, me too. Uh, this is. Uh... I don't know why, but it just makes me happy. It's just like. I think it's because of my work also in studios. When mm-hmm. I hear a good drum track, I know this song is going to get there, you know. It's gonna get there on the virtue of the drums being this good. Yeah, but yeah. The, I think the drums are also so good because the drummer is so inspired. I think you can hear the joy in Nico's playing there. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, if we would have it to some to some mid '90s songs, you would not be able to hear any joy in them because there right. wasn't really. Yeah, especially Virtual Eleven. Exactly. Like before yeah. that, such a lack of energy to it, and uh, mm. in this one, I've heard that they did Seven Sun to a click track. Like it's the only album they did, but I'm not sure if that is true no, for the whole thing. Not. That, I mean, if it was a click track, it was very wobbly. <laughs> okay, you could hear yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, but I could hear. I can hear that in kind of play with madness, and especially in the prophecy, you can hear it because mm. there, there's a, a very obvious rush. All right. Yeah. So it's definitely not entirely clicked then. Maybe no. it's just the song Seven Sun for that delay guitar. You know, maybe yeah, that part. Possibly, is, yeah. yeah. And I mean, b- bits of songs or songs. I don't know how they recorded Seven Sun the track. If it was in in pieces, or I mean, they might have used a click for mm, some yeah. bits. Interesting. The delay, actually. the delay in the beginning of Moonchild must be to a click, I guess. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Mm. But then again, I think Moonchild flies away after that. But yeah. I'm not. I'm mm. not super tight in hearing BPM shifters. You know, even though well, I'm I mean, passionate about drums, you know, I'm mm. still a guitarist. I, I know that they've had notoriously have had problems 
up until 2000, up until the Somewhere Back in Time tour to play this song live uh, because of the intro. They always got it wrong. And now what they mm-hmm. did starting in, in that tour, they got Bruce does it. Bruce counts it in by going, you know, one, two, one, two, and that mm-hmm. then they can all come in correctly. Otherwise, they never have. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some horrible renditions of this song, at least intro wise, <laughs> from like, yeah. the, like like from the like the mid '90s ones. Yes. Also, because without uh, Adrian too. Yeah, definitely because that's yeah. horrible. Yeah. And now, now it sounds, you know, it's, it's on the on the Death on the Road. It sounds a little better, but it sounds really fucking good on the on the Flight Six 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 because they yeah. they could finally figure out a way to do it properly. On Death mm. on the Road, they count it in with the hi hat. On every other version, it would be Bruce counting it in. Just as mm. a side note. Well, no, but that's what I mean. On the, on the, on the, uh, because if you go back to the older versions, um, he didn't do that. He started doing that, I think, in 2008. Mm. Something he does point out at some point in one of those clips that they finally forgot a way to do this intro really? properly. Okay, yes. yeah. But and I mean, does, uh, continue, do, Henrik. Yeah, doesn't he count it in on Made in England? I have a very. Yeah, he does. He does. Very sure? clear memory. Yeah, I listened to yeah. it on the way. Uh, we recorded another episode before this one today, dear listeners. But uh, on the way to pick up a little bit of uh, Folkel, I listened to a few of the versions, and he does count it in on Made in England too. Mm. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I don't know what he was doing. What they're doing different. Well, they did start doing something differently in 2008 because I know that there's, there's a version of from that tour where they pointed out that they finally could get the intro right. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think the key. I think the key here is Adrian. Yeah, probably. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of yeah. getting the intro right, uh, I also noticed listening to these live versions. I've noticed this before. I don't really like saying it because you know it comes off a little, a little derogatory towards Steve. But his backing vocals—he doesn't know what he's doing at all. <laughs> There's zero melody. He's just shouting on a football field. Can yeah. I play with madness? Mm. It sounds positively horrible most of the time on Flight 666. You, they have mixed in only Adrian. And he does it okay. But mm. in the 90s, listen to Donington. That's a crap fest. It's rough. That's yeah. a crap I mean, sometimes, sometimes he gets it. Sorry. He, he doesn't do the intro good, but he can do the the, the, the choruses kind of work. Uh, because then he has something to sort of follow along yeah. with, I guess. Mm. Whereas, uh, and you know, having Adrian makes it a thousand times better. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, to Steve's defense, they don't use a pitchfork, right? So they don't know which tune, which uh, note. They're gonna hit it on. It's just a counting. Oh. Uh, but yeah, I think his backing vocals often are like that. In Run to the Hills, also he's like Run to yeah. the Hills. Mm. Again, I love Steve, but he can't sing. Let's face it. And, he and I think he, he'd be the first one to admit it himself. Yeah. So he can't <laughs> sing. The guy can't sing. But I mean, obviously, I want him to do these backing vocals. I wouldn't yeah, want to clean it up. It's his band, you know. And mm-hmm. It's time to shout. And if you have enough of the crowd doing it as well. He's going to kind of works. Uh, blend yeah. it into that. But yeah, listen to Donington. That's a crap fest. It, ju- it just is, you know, mm-hmm. the start of it.
I mean, the, 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 the second you get to the, um, what you call it, the second you, uh, you know, if, if you can get to the can, I guess that word, when you start singing that, the audience knows what's going on, and they'll, they'll, you know, they'll join in. But on the first word, can, they're completely on their own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I, I'm going to listen to the version from, uh, actually, for myself here, the version from uh, made, made in England. Oh yeah, and Bruce did even add, "You got it" at the end. He's still that, you know, mm. the young young Bruce that can't shut up, uh, which I like. It's similar mm. in, in uh, what song is that? Uh, uh, Flight of Icarus. He's like, "Bring it in," you know, adding yeah. more vocals than he already has to do. Mm. And uh, the intro sounded pretty good. It sounded like yeah. they had mixed Steve Waylo. I could only hear Adrian on, on that a cappella thing. Well, yeah. do the Flight 66 version now. Sure. One, two. Yeah, and a different way, a different phrasing of the intro. A one, a two, not one, two, three, four, right? Maybe that helped for some reason, I don't know, because apparently... <laughs> yeah. They get into a good groove, but and in this version you could hear Steve as well, and still arbitrary arbitrary voice, you know, just mm. weird note, cho note choices, or not, rather not choices, you know, he's just jamming it out. But I know they have actually, you know, had some kind of chord to listen to, because I, I know that's one recording, I can't remember if it's 92 or if it's earlier, but mm -hmm. that, I, I know that Bruce is, you can hear him sort of like chatting to Adrian or, or whoever it is, is that a D? Something like that, and then right, he yeah, comes it in. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Interesting, yeah, because you would need that to do yeah. a cappella intro. Mm. And uh, speaking of the a cappella, that, that really brought me off this song. As a teenager, I couldn't stand mm. that three times in this three-minute song, <laughs> they break into a cappella. It's just, wow, it's it's hard to handle for a Slayer fan that is 14 or Wait, 30. wait, so isn't there only two a cappella? No, three. It's in the middle, too. And then at the way oh. end. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah. at the way end. All right, yeah, yeah fine. Three yeah. times in three minutes, man, it's, it's intense. <laughs> you know, it's really like in your face. Can I play with madness? So this song is one of the most in-your-face Maiden songs. And I don't mean like a thrasher like Whiplash that we talked about last time. This is in-your-face pop. But uh, I've really come mm -hmm. to love it. You know, I, I, I like it a lot now. I think it sits on the right spot after Infinite Dreams and before The yeah. Evil Can Do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, being my favorite album, of course, I wouldn't change a thing about this song. And the drums, absolutely inspiring. You know, mm. if I listen to that so solo drum track that I played before, I want to pick up the guitar. I want to jam out. Oh you know? yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's just something about a drummer in his element that just—it's just the lifeblood of of rock, in my opinion. Mm. Somehow, definitely. It's interesting because this song, uh, guitar-wise, I mean, it's uh, there. There's a lot of small kind of, it's, you know, there, there's a lot of details, but uh, that make it very cool. But if you just glance at it quickly, it's basically just you know, uh, it, it's not. There's not a hell of a lot going on guitar-wise. Uh, uh, or there is, but it's sort of deceptively. So, yeah. Uh, um. Let's listen to a bit of the guitars as well, uh, isolated. That is. Mm 
pretty basic stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Serving but it sounds so it sounds it sounds amazing. I, I just love that guitar tone. I like the sixteenth thing. It propels the song forward. And also I noticed that that very short fill over from the verse into the chorus, because there's not really a pre chorus there. It sounded a bit like Bring Your Daughter. Right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. And is there is there an isolated track of the uh, synthesizer as well? It is, it is. And uh, I noticed while checking these ISO tracks out that the synth is actually only in the chorus, as far as I know. Yeah. There's, mm-hmm. there's no other synth in the song. And uh, then, of course, we can afford listening to it as well. Clearly doubled by a guitar, in this yeah. case. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's um, talking about uh, cheerful as the previous song. I mean, burning ambition. It's got the same sort of like very happy, right? Happy it's note. To complete it. major. The chorus, at least. Yeah, from what I can hear, and uh, it's a bit of a. I wouldn't call this melody beautiful. It's almost ugly to my ears. But yeah, I've, the the, know, I've, the keyboard I've come melody. To love it. Yeah. Mm. I've come to love it over the years, but you know, it's not a beautiful melody. Or what would you say on that, Eric? I mean, it kind of depends what you mean. I mean, I mean, if if you do, I mean, I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I never had a problem with it. I sort of liked it right from the start. So if I if I enjoy something, uh, no, I mean, I don't think I think I've, I don't know. I, I I've never used the word beautiful to describe <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but I. Could- but I, I I, I, there's more layers to what I think about something rather than just ugly and beautiful. Oh, so. Of course, of course. You know that's just where I where I started this. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. I know. I had to make it. No, but yeah, I like it. But it, I get, I get what you mean. Yeah, I uh, think also it's contextual, right? That's my that's where I wanted to, yeah. to go. You know, in the context. because I think also I think also if I was just talking about it in Swedish, I'd use the word "fuel," which could also. But in, in this, somehow it seems slightly way less charged if you say it like that in Swedish. Mm. Ugly is, is such a harsh <laughs> thing. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Mm. Uh, but you know, it's just uh, I guess also very naive in a sense. You know, it has a, uh, naive energy. But I like it a lot in context. And we just heard the rhythm guitars before, and they back mm. it up nicely. And also, like Don pointed out in our AOR Maiden episode, this is a case where you play a lead melody as well as have a lead singing melody. Which is yeah. not usually the case mm. in an Iron Maiden chorus. Normally, it would be just the singing melody and chords backing yeah. that up. So it's, it goes towards that what you heard in 2000s metal, like in Flames or something like that, that you add a super hooky guitar slash synth melody yeah. on mm. top of the actual vocal melody, which is another melody, right? What would you say, Henrik? Yeah, but I think that this is also uh, I, I I do I don't know enough about the references you gave there to to whatever it was you said, in flames or whatever. I don't, yeah, know, something I don't know that, that at yeah. all. But I was thinking about the chorus and the synthesizer. I mean, this the chorus is an Adrian Smith thing. It was originally from, his original idea was called On the Wings of Eagles. You can actually sing that to the, to the chorus. Mm-hmm. On the wings of eagles. Yeah, and I'm sure that he had that idea of the, the keyboard melody thing, that he had that guitar i guess because it sounds a lot like a guitar registering of the chords yes or or the stuff that it that it does 
and that it was just in his idea and they wanted to keep it when yeah. they recorded the song. Yeah, and also, whereas the verses are supposedly Bruce's, so I don't okay. know if. Yeah, and I mean, out of all songs uh, are made in with the keyboards, this is one where you could perform it without a keyboard. It wouldn't be a big problem. You could just have yeah. this slightly artificial uh, sounding lead sound on your mm. guitar and play that thing, which is also dubbed by a guitar, obviously. I think live as well. Uh, there's always a guitarist playing. Do that and that and that. Do that and that and that. Do that and that and that. Da 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 On top of the on Michael Kenny. Now, do you have the bass track isolators? Because that'd be kind of fun. I do have the bass track isolator. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's, let's hear yeah. a bit of that. Yeah, it's a gold mine on this song. You know, every single mm. isolator. Now, do you have do you have the vocals for the core for the intro isolators? Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> I have that too. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 everyone has that song. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I, I missed the joke, but I have the yeah. I, I have the, <laughs> I have the iso iso vocals. But okay, mm. bass. We're talking bass, 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 bass. Yeah, here we go. Bass track. Actually, it's thirteen isolated tracks of "Can I Play with Madness." Holy shit! Up on YouTube. Interestingly enough, that's delightful. I'm gonna know what I'm gonna do after this. Yeah. case of what Eric pointed out in a very early Made in AZ episode that uh, when you listen to bass out of context this sounds almost sloppy right without yeah, the driving yeah. Nico mm. but with the, with the precise driving force of Nico underneath obviously it's going to sound tight mm. definitely yeah that's that that, cool though yeah, yeah. And, I think, and I think that's the case with most things recorded pre, pre Pro Tools really because yeah. if you played something not to a click track that everything is sort of like locked in synchronously with drums and bass and guitars but when you listen to them independently it's going to be loads of variations that you never yeah. really think about in, in this bass track you could hear his small compensations right when he's yeah. kind of getting back to the beat mm. rejoining it if you will and i think that's how you play rock really i mean obviously yeah. tracks could be useful uh, sometimes mm. but a rock band is still a rock band when it plays when they play with each other and off each other right yeah doesn't need to be per doesn't need to be a hundred percent perfect, you know, or maybe its imperfections make it perfect rather. Yeah, I usually say that. Yeah, perfect is not perfect. No, you know, exactly. In a way, it never is, uh, and that's a huge part of why I like Iron Maiden actually, the, mm. the band that is, you know, that they're not going for that clinical precision. They're not raised with that, you know. They're raised with the Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, those kind of bands that are uh, it's live. That's all you can say. It's it's kind of live, the mm, way they, yeah. they play, the way they record. Even back then, but it was I guess one guy at a time. That's, I, that's my guess for the recordings in München for this album. Yeah, mm. probably yeah. 
first time in that studio, uh, same studio as Rising by Rainbow, another like favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe, I'm not sure if they ever had purple in that one, but uh, it was at least Birch was familiar with it. So it yeah. might have been his choice to record in, in, in Germany in this case, which they've never done before or after. Maybe live, mm-hmm. the live Dortmund, but I don't think in studio. Uh, something we rarely touch on uh, in this pod so far. I mean, we've mentioned it, I guess, but uh, uh, this this uh, the, the video for this song is kind mm. of fun because it's uh, it features the the late you know Graham Chapman from Monty Python. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's one of the last things he did apparently before he died. Yeah, yeah. one of my heroes. I'm a huge fan of Monty Python, actually. Oh well, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. I, I remember seeing the video. I didn't even realize it was him because he was so skinny. I mean, his face was so skinny in a way that I didn't recognize him. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that I know it, of course, I can't. I don't understand how I couldn't see it. But I mean, it's a pretty cool video. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. These art students sketching uh, like yeah. ruins, ruins or something, right? Yeah, it's Tinter Nabby, I think it is. And Eddie appears in the clouds, which is another connection for me. I, I usually connect Brave New World to Seven Sun. One connection is that it's the last and first Smith albums, you know, or second, oh, first, yeah. whatever mm-hmm. you want to say. And the other one is this Eddie in the clouds. He appears in, yeah. in the video of mm. this one. And then you get into these kind of tombs with a lot of spider web, or is that called cobweb, yeah. maybe in English? Oh, uh, spider webs, they both work. You can both mm. see the one. And, mm. uh, and lo- lo- lots of Iron Maiden on TV sets. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Play. Eddie's in fridges. Yeah. <laughs> it's a charming video, you know. It didn't, yeah, I like it, it. Yeah. Didn't hit the spot back then, but definitely one of my, I guess, top five or something today. Mm. Yeah. If if we're speaking Maiden videos, then I think it's one of the best. Their yeah. best oh, yeah. Def- right? Definitely, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, just to quickly touch that, I guess my favorites now, in hindsight, you know, looking back would be. Uh, this one, two minutes, I, I like now. I used to think it was super ugly, but yeah, I like it now. And uh, also, Wicker Man is pretty cool, it's all right. Uh, and the Holy Smoke, I started to really like that video. Holy Smoke's very fun. Yeah, I like it a lot. You know, in the context of other bands at the time, you know, then the switch from the 80s to the 90s, you had videos like November Rain, million dollar mm. budget. And then Steve is just, you know, being Steve, he buys his own <laughs> video recorder. And uh, it makes this very, you know, DIY video out in the farm, even with his mm. father on that uh, tractor and everything. Yeah, so, yeah. It, it, like with as Captain Hindsight, I love that video too. I mean, mm. I like I like that video, and I revisit that video way more often than I ever would revisit, you know, uh, uh, November Rain. Exactly, it's more fun. Yeah, it's just mm. more fun. Also, I mean, I'm going to say this is going to annoy a lot of people. I'm not a big Guns N' Roses fan. I think Holy Smoke's a better song than November Rain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it is, maybe it is. I I was never a Guns fan either, but I did my other podcast, Game for Riffs, I featured uh, Welcome to the Jungle a couple of weeks back. And I I probably, yeah. And I admitted that that song, that is a really good song. uh, And Mm. I understand why they broke new ground and why they, in a way, saved metal or hard rock, but was never a fan either. Not really, no. Mm. No, I imagine I'm, I might, I'm, this, that, that comment of mine might, might generate a few angry emails, but you know, that's all right. It's fine. Yeah, opinions are opinions, right? You know? Yeah. And also, I mean, another problem with guns is that uh, Iron Maiden got influenced by them. And I think that was a wrong thing to do because guns are influenced by Maiden. It's not the other way around, you know? Anyway, tangential. Yeah, indeed. But yeah, yeah. So uh, 
And the, the question becomes, and I think I know the answer, should this go on the list? And I think it's going to be a resounding yes. Yes. All around. Yes. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And finally, mm. a bit of Seventh Son and more to come as well. I'm mm. psyched about that. You know, we have a clairvoyant in soon. I totally agree with you, Jonathan, about the sequencing of the album. I think it's, I can't think of it any other way. I think it's nice. really good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard many people say that, but when I say it, it's usually, you know, agreed upon, I guess. Mm. It's very tight, very tight yeah. concept in the in Indeed. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, so this one goes on the list and, uh, you know, is it going to be top 50? Who knows? I think, I think there's a big chance this one will make it. Yeah. Also, like another side note of this, I toured with this uh, Death Doom band yeah, last fall. Actually, we were able to play in Malmö, so we went down there, and this song came on on the you know tour bus Spotify random playlist. And and I kind of looked around among these fans of uh, brutal death metal and uh, and black metal, and I see everyone smiling, <laughs> you know, and everyone agreeing mm-hmm. like, "How could you not love this song? Come on!" Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> It's just one of those songs. I think if you're like, uh, if you've been into hard rock and heavy metal, and you're saying you're claiming not liking this song, uh, you're probably in the wrong somehow. You know, <laughs> I don't know. It's just an mm. anthem, anthem in a way. You know, anthemic. Yeah, it is. definitely, definitely. Yeah. Mm. Now yeah. let's see. Is this officially now? If I if I if I uh, recall correctly, besides, have we sort of at this point talked about each album except for Peace of Mind? And, and maybe the, the first, first one? And the first, yeah. Yeah, so those are the only two left, right? Yeah. Very good albums, too. Can't wait. Peace of Mind is my personal favorite, so yeah, I can't wait for that. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. It's always battling Seventh Son with me. You know, yeah. if I'm listening mm. to Peace of Mind, especially on the vinyl, it's my favorite Iron Maiden album. You know, mm. it, whilst it's playing. Until I hear Seventh Son the next time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how it works. Mm. It's so good. It's so good. It's going to be a really good song from peace of mind as well to start with yeah if i know my start. alphabet correctly <laughs> yeah exactly really mm. good but not too obvious you know it's going to be a good way to enter that mm. awesome album well that's it for this time uh, obviously uh uh we'll be back in another week i'm not sure what we're doing then because uh it's something on c that's all i know but uh, <laughs> right. uh so that should that'll be fun uh and obviously get you you know feel free to we, we obviously enjoy when you guys get in touch with us you can do that on, uh, we have our Facebook group, Maiden A to Z, Friends of the Beast. We're on Instagram, uh, Maiden AZ Pod. Uh, you, can e- you can email us. And let's, uh, let me get the address just to make sure I got that 100% right. And that address is maidenazpod at gmail.com. That's it. And as usual, we don't have our own catchphrase because we like the old one so much. Up the irons. Up the irons.